Salvete omnes, welcome to the AP Latin Podcast. The goal of this podcast will be to cover the lines from Caesar's De Bello Gallico and Virgil's Aeneid that are found on the AP Latin curriculum. Each two-part episode will cover a selection of lines from Caesar and Virgil. I will present the Latin and English of the text, providing relevant clarification, background, and cultural information that will help put the readings in their proper context. I encourage you to read along with me as you listen to the Latin and to use the English as a way to check your understanding rather than relying on the English for understanding. Each episode will conclude with some essential questions to consider as you process through the meaning of the text. Parati, eamos. AP Latin Podcast, Episode 20A, De Bello Gallico, Book 5, Chapters 47 and 48. In this episode, you will see the glorious return of the man himself, as swift and decisive as ever. Ora circiter tertia, ab ante corsoribus de crassi adventu certior factus, eo die milia passum viginti procedit. Crassum samarobriwai praeficit, legionem quae attribuit, quod ibi impedimenta exercitus, obsides civitatum, literas publicas, frumentumque omne quod eo tolerandae hiemes causa de vexerat, relinquebat. Fabius, ut imperatum erat, non ita multa moratus in itinera cum legione occurrit, labienus interitu sabini et caede cohortium cognita, cum omnes ad eum treverorum copiae venissent, veritus, ne, si ex hibernis fugae similem profectionem fecisset, hostium impetum sustinera non posset, praesertim quos recenti victoria efferi sciret, literas caesari remitit, Quanto cum periculo legionem in hibernis educturus eset, rem gestam in eboronibus perscribit, docet omnes equitatus peditatusque copias treverorum triamilia pasuum longe ab suis castris concedisse. Caesar concilio eus probato, et si opinione trium legionum deiectus ad duas redierat. Tamen, unum communis salutis auxilium in celeritate ponebat. Venet magnis itineribus in nerviorum fines, ibi ex captivis cognoscit quae apud Ciceronem gerantur, quantoque in periculo res sit. Tum, cuidam ex equitibus galis magnis primiis persuadet, uti ad Ciceronem epistolam deferat. Hanc, graecis conscriptam literis mitit, ne intercepta epistola nostra ab hostibus concilia cognoscantur. Si adire non posset, monet ut tragulam cum epistola ad amentum delegata intramunitionem castrorum abiciat. In literis, scribit se cum legionibus profectum celeriter ad fore, hortatur ut pristinam virtutem retineat. Gallus periculum veritus, ut erat praeceptum tragulam mitit. Haec casu ad turem ad haesit. Neque ab nostris biduo animadversa tertio die a quodam milite conspicitur, demta ad Ciceronem defertur. Ille perlectam inconvintu militum recitat, maxima quae omnes laetitia adficit. Tum fumi incindiorum procul videbantur, quae res omnem dubitationem ad ventus legionem expulit. At around the third hour, having been made more certain about the arrival of Crassus from the scouts, on that day he proceeds twenty miles. He puts Crassus in charge of Samarobrava and assigns him a legion, because he was leaving there the baggage of the army, the hostages of the tribes, the public letters, 
and all the grain which he had conveyed there for the sake of enduring the winter. Fabius, as he had been commanded, thus not having delayed much, meets him on the journey with a legion. Labienus, because the violent death of Sabinus and the slaughter of the cohort had been learned, since all the forces of the Treveri had come to him, having feared that, if he made a departure similar to flight from the winter camp, he would not be able to withstand the attack of the enemy, especially those whom he knew to be lifted up by recent victory. He sends back letters to Caesar with how much danger he was about to lead out the legion from the winter camp. He describes the deed accomplished in the Eberones. He informs that all the cavalry and infantry forces of the Treveri have settled three miles away from his camp. After he had approved his course of action, Caesar, although disappointed in his idea of three legions, had returned to two. Nevertheless, he was placing the one assistance of common safety in speed. He comes by large marches into the borders of the Nervii. There he learns from captives what things are being waged among Cicero, and how much danger the situation is in. Then he persuades a certain person from the Gallic cavalry, with great rewards, to carry a letter to Cicero. This he sends written in Greek letters, so that, should the letter be intercepted, our plans would not be learned by the enemy. If he is not able to go near, he advises that he should throw a spear with the letter tied to a strap inside the fortification of the camp. In the letter he writes that he, having departed with legions, would be there quickly. He encourages them to hold on to their pristine virtus. The Gaul, having feared danger, throws the spear as he had been ordered. This by chance stuck to a tower, and it is not noticed by our men for two days. On the third day it is caught sight of by a certain soldier. Having been taken down, it is brought to Cicero. He recited it, having been thoroughly read, in the assembly of soldiers, and it affects all with the greatest joy. Then the smoke of fires from a distance was seen, a thing which drove off all doubt of the arrival of the legion. Last time, a messenger finally made it to Caesar from Cicero, and Caesar, having made his own plans, departs in the third hour, around 8 a.m. He travels 20 miles in one day, an example of the caleritas that he is known for. He leaves Crassus in charge of the supplies, correspondence, and hostages at Samarobrava. Fabius meets him on the way with a legion, but Labienus responds that he can't leave, because the Treveri have set up near his camp, in line with the Gallic strategy we have seen in the Eberones and in the Nervii. Since Labienus had found out what happened to Sabinus's legion, he is worried that his departure will lead to the same outcome. Caesar agrees with Labienus's decision, although this leaves him with only two legions, which he will report in the next chapter as 7,000 men, a small number when facing the multitude of Gallic enemy, which he also reports in the next chapter as a force of 60,000. Caesar reaches the Nervii as fast as he possibly could and sends a Gallic scout ahead with a letter to Cicero informing of his coming. The scout is instructed to get as close as he could to the camp, and if there is any trouble, to tie the letter to a spear and throw it inside the fortifications. Caesar writes the letter in Greek, or possibly in Latin using the Greek alphabet, so that the enemy would not be able to decipher it and discover his plans if they happen to intercept the letter. Caesar will inform us in Book 6 that the Gauls use Greek letters when they write their own language, so it makes more sense that Caesar's letter is written in the Greek language itself rather than just using Greek letters, which the Gauls would have been able to read. This is not the only mention we have of Caesar using code in his correspondence. The biographer Suetonius mentions in his Life of Julius, chapter 56, that Caesar used to write confidential letters in a substitution cipher, today known as the Caesar cipher. Suetonius writes, If anything had to be conveyed more secretly, he wrote through ciphers, that is, with the order of letters arranged such that no word would be able to be made out, which if anyone wants to investigate and pursue the task, he should change completely the fourth letter of the alphabet, that is, D in place of A, and from there the rest. 
Although he doesn't say this, it is possible that Caesar may have used this or a similar cipher using the Greek alphabet in his letter to Cicero, which then Cicero restored to normal Latin, hence his perlectom, before reading the contents to the assembly. A Greek author named Polyanus, writing under the emperor Marcus Aurelius in the 160s AD, writes in his Stratagems of War that the contents of Caesar's letter were only the words, Caesar to Cicero, be of good courage, expect aid. But in Caesar's own description, it seems as though the contents of the letter were longer and more detailed than these three short sentences. Caesar himself says that he wrote specifics about coming quickly and with more than one legion. I suppose that if Caesar were counting on the element of surprise, being as outnumbered as he is, the statement expect aid might have made him worried enough about discovery to encode the message in Greek, although there isn't a lot of information that can be learned of his plans from such a short statement. The comment about holding on to their pristine virtus seems to match up with the statement be of good courage. Finally, why would Cicero have to thoroughly read the contents if it were such a short message? Unless Caesar means that Cicero simply read it first in private all the way through. But the use of perlectom would seem to imply that there was something more substantial that needed a thorough reading. Maybe Cicero was in so much trouble that he would have hungrily read and reread any message from Caesar no matter how brief and Caesar intends Perlectom to convey the eagerness and relief that Cicero feels at getting any word of aid coming. Or maybe the message really was that short and Caesar is dramatizing his account a bit. So the Gallic runner makes it to Cicero's camp, and as instructed, he throws the letter tied to a spear inside, but the spear sticks in one of the towers and sits there unread for two days. On the third day, after the letter is discovered, Cicero reads it privately, or translates it, or devours it greedily, or whatever, and then calls an assembly for a public reading. And just as the letter is being read to the assembly, they catch sight of smoke in the distance, Caesar's troops bringing aid. Polyanus again says that the smoke was from Caesar's soldiers ravaging the countryside, burning a swath of Gallic villages and fields in his wake. Which we have seen happen before, especially when Caesar gets angry at the Gauls for refusing to stay pacified. And this is where the AP selection for Book 5 ends, but there is still more that happens. After the Latin lines end here, the Gauls abandon the siege and turn to intercept the new Roman arrivals, and Cicero sends a messenger warning Caesar that the enemy is moving towards him. Caesar is happy about this because it means that Cicero's camp is no longer in immediate danger, and he halts his march and begins preparing for the enemy. In the morning, Caesar sees the Gauls set up across a valley. It would be a bad tactical move to try and fight the Gauls in the valley like they were trying to make happen. So Caesar stops, settles into his camp, and intentionally makes it appear as small as possible, hoping that the enemy will underestimate him and be tempted to press the attack on ground favorable for Caesar. The cavalry on both sides skirmish a bit, but the Gauls do not advance. Finally, Caesar orders the cavalry to pretend to retreat, and the soldiers to act as confused and fearful as they possibly can. Caesar's plan works. The Gauls abandon their favorable position to advance on the Roman camp. They announce that if the Romans don't surrender now, no chance will be given, and then they start trying to fill in the trench and tear down the rampart with their hands. At that point, Caesar strikes, ordering a charge from every gate. Totally surprised, the enemy starts fleeing. A lot of them are killed, but Caesar thinks it's a bad idea to pursue the rest because of nearby marshes and woods. So instead, he heads to Cicero's camp. He is impressed by the towers and fortifications of the enemy, and he discovers that nine-tenths of Cicero's troops are wounded. He gives high praise to the legion and to Cicero for their bravery. The next day, he learns more about all that has happened, including the fate of Sabinus and Cotta, but he encourages the men, saying that their bravery has made up for Sabinus's fault. Word of Caesar's victory spreads quickly, causing most to abandon their plans of war against the Romans. 
Caesar decides to spend the rest of the winter in Gaul keeping a close eye on things, and he summons the leaders from each tribe and informs them that he knows about their plans, at which point most problems die down, with a couple exceptions. First, there is a coup among the Senones that Caesar has to manage, and second, Indutio Maris, who originally had stirred up Ambiorix's insurrection, approaches the Germani, asking if they would be willing to cross the Rhine and help fight against the Romans. They refuse, since they have already lost to Caesar twice, so Indutio Maris begins raising his own forces, and holds a convention of Gallic leaders where he states his intentions to attack the camp of Labienus. Labienus beats them and kills Indutio Maris, and after that Caesar has a little more quiet Gaul. Next time, we move into Book 6, where you will learn everything you ever wanted to know, and many things you never wanted to know, never knew you wanted to know, or never knew you never wanted to know, about the social, religious, political, and family structures of the Gauls. As we close out the episode, here are some essential questions to consider. How does Caesar's reaction to Cicero's message display the same qualities of leadership we've already seen from him in this commentary? Why did Caesar give Labienus a choice in whether or not he comes to Cicero's assistance? How does Caesar portray himself as both decisive and cautious at the same time? How does he move with certainty and speed without being reckless? What precautions does Caesar take to make sure his message has the best chance of getting through the blockade? What precautions does Caesar take to make sure that his plans aren't discovered if the message is intercepted? What role did the knowledge of Greek language and literature play in Roman education? Why did Caesar's message not get to Cicero quickly? Gratias ago pro auscultando, valete.